You are listening to the audio podcast of Gethsemane Baptist Church, located in Long Beach, California, pastored by Eli Reynolds. chapter number two in your Bibles this evening, Luke chapter two. Who needs a fill-in-the-blank sheet tonight? Would you slip your hand up? Is there anybody like that at all? Upstairs, downstairs. We do not have a, uh, a slideshow, what is it called, PowerPoint tonight, so you may actually have to listen this evening. I'm sorry about that. Anybody need a fill-in-the-blank sheet? No? How about a pen? Anyone need a pen this evening? Okay. I think we're good, brother. They only need them when you're not ready. So that's, that's the rule. All right. Luke chapter 2 in your Bibles. And um, <clears throat> I probably will not speak super long tonight. But uh, I, I, want, uh, I want to preach on something that came to mind as I was thinking on this service. And like I said, I'm planning on starting a new series soon. But... But right now, I'm kind of a, a man without a country in regards to what I'll be preaching. And I had a lot of different thoughts, and I, would, I was putting them all together. In fact, on my notes, there is a third page of all these notes I was going to preach, and I just had to cut them all. I had to cut everything on that whole uh, sheet of paper. And I don't usually have more than one or two pages of notes anyway. But uh, uh, just the Lord didn't give me peace about it. So the message tonight was something that I felt God... Uh, uh, wanted me to focus in on, so I don't know if it's for you this evening or if the application at the end might be for you, but I want to preach about peace tonight. I want to talk about peace, but, but not in the way that you may be thinking, because we're going to look at peace this evening in one specific capacity, and uh, so this is not really a message about peace in general. Thank you for giving me a boost there. I heard, I heard the sound, that, and that's going to help me a lot, and, uh, uh, but uh, it's no, so it's not peace in general but it's a peace in a specific area. And we throw the word peace around quite a bit. You know, in our country, in our world, sometimes we Christians even use it as an excuse. Well, I just don't have peace about that. I literally just said that a moment ago. I didn't have peace about all the stuff, you know, that I was supposed to preach. And I think that's legitimate. We talk about world peace. We say, hey, get out of here so I can have some peace and quiet, right? So we say that, but what are we talking about? Let's look at Luke chapter 2, verse 8. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. If you saw angels, you would be afraid too. All right? And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward man. Father, we ask for your blessing tonight on this service and this message. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. The Bible tells us in Isaiah chapter 9 that Jesus would come as the Prince of Peace. He's the Almighty Father, he's, the Everlasting, he's Wonderful Counselor, um, Almighty God, all of those things in, in that wonderful passage in Isaiah chapter number 9. But he also says that he would be the Prince 
of peace. Jesus' coming to earth would usher in peace in every way eventually. But when we talk about peace in the Bible, there's really three types of peace. Number one, if you want to write this in, there is peace with God. <coughs> peace with God. What does that mean? Romans chapter 5 verse 1 tells us that now that we are saved, we can have peace with God. What that means is before you were saved, you were in your flesh. You were an enemy of God. There was no peace between you and God because you're going opposite directions. You're living opposite lifestyles from how he wants you to live. You don't know him. That's why the world will never know true peace because they do not know God. You cannot have peace with God unless you are saved. That is when peace with God happens. That is something that is a standing. Once you get saved, you are now at peace with God. There's no fighting, no war. But secondly, there's the peace of God. And oftentimes, this is what we're talking about. When we talk about peace, we're not saying, God, I need peace with you. No, we have peace with God. But oftentimes, we're saying, God, I need the peace of God. And what that is, is in uh, Philippians chapter 4 talks about it. That's the, the, uh, the um, surpassing feeling that you can have that, that passes all knowledge and understanding. Uh, you know, how, you, how, you, how can you have peace in a world of conflict? Well, you can if you know God. And that is a state that you can live in once you know Christ as Savior. And so if you're lacking peace tonight, we need to have the peace of God in our life. So there's the peace with God, there's the peace of God, but there's also peace on earth. Now, think with me for a second here. Luke says that glory to God in the highest and on earth peace. When Jesus came, was there peace in all the land all of his days? No, if you remember, in fact, they crucified him. <laughs> there was no peace. In Matthew, I think it's Matthew chapter 10, he says, Jesus said, I did not come to bring peace but a sword. So is that a contradiction in scripture? Well, no, we know there's no contradiction in scripture. What's he saying? Jesus was saying in Matthew chapter 10 during his earthly ministry, he said, he's basically saying the truths that I came to preach to you are not going to be received by everybody. The truths that I came to preach, they're the gospel truths. They can give you peace with God, but you know what? It's going to cause conflict in this world. How many of you ever talked to somebody about the gospel and it wasn't met with peace, met with conflict? Because that's what Jesus was saying in that passage, is that his truth that he's going to be teaching and preaching, you know, for some it's going to bring them together like it has us. But for a lot of people, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a sword. It's going to be a division. Like when you go and you meet with your family and some of them are atheists or unbelievers and you're talking, there is now a division because of the teachings of Christ. That's not what it was for, but that's what has happened. But Jesus will. Jesus will usher in peace on the entire earth during his kingdom. When he rebuilds and remakes the heaven and earth, there will be peace on earth. So we can talk about, you know, we need to have peace and have the peace signs up. And, hey, I'm all for countries not fighting. I wish Russia would, would, would end this ridiculousness that's going on right now. But I tell you what, 
there's not going to be peace on this earth until Christ is ruling and reigning. So we understand that. So that's the three levels of peace that we're talking about. But what is one specific way, if you haven't gotten ahead of me yet, don't. But uh, it's, it's, you know, it's the most wonderful time of the year. What could be robbing our peace? I think a lot of things can rob our peace. And I had a whole list of them. But I wasn't supposed to go that way. I'm going to focus in on one. I think one area of Christian life that really can determine whether or not you have peace during this time of year is whether or not you have assurance of salvation. Assurance of salvation. How can you have the peace of God if you are constantly afflicted with doubts regarding the state of your soul? How can you be at peace if you, if you have those doubts in your heart? Take your Bible. Go to 1 John chapter 5, please. Into the Bible, 1 John chapter 5. If you find Revelation, work your way backward. You'll hit 1 John. If you do not have assurance of salvation, you do not know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you're going to heaven. Boy, that can rob you of peace. Now, you may be thinking, oh, grace, another one of these messages. I'm going to tell you, every Christian needs this message. Everybody does, because at some point in life, it seems to me, every Christian has some doubts. Now, we'll talk about why in a moment. 1 John chapter 5, verse 11. And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. So John's saying, look, God is having me write this book, and one of the reasons is because you need to know that you're saved, and you can know. I've talked to people before, and I've said, if you died today, would you be 100% sure you're going to heaven? And they'll say, nobody can be 100% sure. And I'll say, I beg to differ. I beg to differ because the Bible says you can know. You can know by faith. Faith is the evidence. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. If you've got the Son, you've got eternal life. How long does eternity last? Forever, right? So, and so tonight I want to just take a moment and say, look, Jesus wants us to have assurance of our salvation. <laughs> but I want to ask this as well. You don't have to answer out loud, but maybe think, have you ever doubted your salvation? Have you, and it's a miserable feeling if you have. You know, you go to every service just thinking, am I saved? Am I not? Don't preach on salvation because if you preach on it, then I have to think about it. And then it's this battle that takes place. It's miserable. I wonder tonight, maybe there's some that are doubting currently. Maybe there's some watching tonight. We've got a lot of people sick in our church. And uh, <clears throat> maybe tonight they're watching and, and you've been doubting. I never doubted my salvation. I was saved when I was six years old. I was away from God for a long time during my teenage years. But the amazing thing is I never doubted my salvation. Never did. I never can ever look back and say I ever doubted that I was saved until I went to Bible college. And I went to Bible college and we had professors that would get up 
and, and you know, you not, you're not really saved. I know some of you here, you're not, and I appreciate their heart. God bless them, I really do. And I know there are probably people there who were not saved, and they got saved every year, you know what I mean? But uh, we had one particular, he would preach the same exact message every year. I wonder if he preached it when you guys were there. Probably, you know what I'm talking about? Can we gossip about him later? All right, good. And no, I'm kidding. It's a great message. It really, truly is. If he preached it in this pulpit, I'd be thrilled, right? So it's a great message. But he would preach that message. It was just one of the professors there. <coughs> and every year, I never, for the first year, I was like, oh, I'm saved. I know I am. Why are they preaching this? So it's great. Hope somebody gets saved. But then after you hear it, and you hear it, and you hear it, and guest preachers come in and preach it, some of you aren't saved. It made me start doubting. I'm not trying to make you doubt tonight. I want to speak to those who maybe have had doubts. Or maybe some of you will have doubts. But, uh, and then also for those of you who haven't had doubts, I have something to say to you too. But, uh, but that was an amazing thing. And I did that thing, I don't know if you've ever done this, but I did that thing a few times where I just knelt down and I said, God, if I didn't mean it before, I mean it now. Have you ever done something like that? All right, yeah, some of you shaking your heads like, you know what I'm talking about. And I'd get down during the invitation time. I'm not going to go forward. I'm not going to get rebaptized. But, um, yeah, and I was like, what if I didn't mean it, Lord? If it wasn't sincere, you know, and I knew I was saved. I knew I was. I never had doubted it. But that's for some reason. But tonight, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 16, 5, um, examine yourselves. Examine yourselves, whether ye be in the faith, prove your own selves. So we're going to do a little examination tonight. First of all, peace through assurance of salvation. The first question we're going to address tonight is, can you ever lose your salvation? Write this in, can you ever lose your salvation? <clears throat> the simple answer, biblically to this, is no. You cannot lose salvation. If God gave you something that lasts for eternity, how can you lose it? If, by definition, if he gives you eternal life and then you lose it, it wasn't eternal, right? So if he's giving you everlasting life, it's going to last forever. If he's giving you eternal life, it's going to last eternally. And by the way, I want to stop for a second. I, I try hard not to sound sarcastic in my messages because I have a tendency, and I don't mean it. Last week, I, I preached about to tree or not to tree and the Christmas decorations and stuff, and I hope I did not come across as, as being uh, uh, looking down on someone who may believe that it's wrong, because honestly, some do, and I don't have a problem with them believing that some of the things are pagan or whatever, and I, I, I just really hope I didn't come across that way, okay? So if you're watching and you were super offended last week, I, I apologize. And that wasn't sarcastic either, but it kind of sounded that way. Good night. All right, so anyway... Can you ever lose your salvation? No. There's a song uh, that I love. It's called, He Will Remember Me. And my wife and I have a little joke about it, a little inside joke. But there's a song, and it starts out by talking about a man and a woman, a man and a wife. And, and as they get older, the wife develops some kind of uh, dementia or something and begins to lose her memory of her husband. And it's a sad song, right? It sounds horrible. And, uh, but at the, end of the, at the end of the first stanza and the, and the course there, it says, she basically says, if I don't remember him, he'll remember me. And the, next, the second verse talks about when I get older in my faith. And maybe there comes a time where I can't even remember when I knelt and got saved. 
and I can't even remember my dear Savior's face, and I can't even remember, uh, you know, because I've lost those capacity. He will remember me, even if I forget him. And I love that song so much. It's a great song. Even if I forget, God doesn't. If you got saved once, if you ever had it, you still have it. Isn't that amazing? If you ever had it, you still have it. If you got saved, Ephesians 1.13, <coughs> in whom you also trusted, after that, you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that you believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Once you trusted Christ, he sealed you in. That's it. You're, look, when you get saved, the Bible likens it to metamorphosis. You're a new creature. Imagine, a, if you've ever seen like a worm transform into a butterfly, they don't go back. No butterfly ever goes, I liked being a worm, you know, and it doesn't happen. You can't untransform unless you're a transformer, you know, those little machines, you know, but you can't do that as a Christian. John 10, 28, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Curtis Hudson uh, puts it like this. He did a little study on it, and uh, he, he was a preacher. Actually, actually uh, Brother Weldon's pastor growing up. He's with the Lord now, but a uh, very famous pastor years ago. And the word never there, he did this study, and it, the word never there comes from four Greek words. And it means, the first one means not at all, by no means, in no case, never. The second meaning would be place, time, and purpose. The third meaning would refer to male, female, or even neuter. The fourth would be perpetually or eternally. And so if you put together what that word means and, a, and put it into the sentence there of John chapter 28, it would go like this. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall not at all, by any means, in any case, in any place, at any time, for any purpose, whether they are male or female, perpetually and eternally, ever perish. That's what it means. You can't. You can't do it. So were you ever saved? And if so, then you still are. But then, well, then why are we doubting? And when doubts come, what does that mean? It means a lack of peace. When you are doubting your salvation, you, you are missing peace in your life. And the question would then become, why are we doubting? So secondly, the second question, why do people doubt? Why do people doubt their salvation? I want to give you several common reasons why people doubt. First of all, let me say this. Number one, the devil is hard at work. What does he attack? He attacks your faith. Why? Because faith is the currency of God's economy. Faith is, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Uh, when you're putting on the shield of faith, that you're able to, able to stand against the wiles of the devil, who's the fiery darts that he's throwing at you, that's what the shield of faith uh, uh, quenches is those fiery darts. What are those doubts he's throwing? Doubt. Uh, what are those darts he's throwing? Is doubt. That's the enemy of faith. He's trying, what did he do to Eve? He walked into Eve, who, who could see God, who could, or talk with God at least, knew God was real, heard God's voice, but yet, <laughs> excuse me, attacked her faith and, and put, cast doubt on God's word. Is that what really God said? So his, his, 
his tactic is always to get you to doubt. Is church really working? Is, does this type of church still does this type of church still matter in 2023? Are we doing it wrong? Should we get the rock band on stage? You, you know, wouldn't that honor God? More? You know, and just doubt, doubt, doubt. Were you really saved? Well, you didn't mean it. Well, you know, what did you say? Well, if you were really saved, you wouldn't sin like you did. Doubt. He's constantly at work, and doubting is just a miserable place to be. Secondly, why do people doubt their salvation? Early childhood conversion, saved when they were young. <coughs> Excuse me, how many of you got saved before you were 10? Can I see your hand? Okay, a lot of people. How many of you got saved before you were 20? How about that? If you got saved before 10, keep your hand up. Before you were 20, okay? How about after 20? You got saved after 20. Okay, so quite a few. But, there, but uh, a lot of people in here, though, I'd say the majority were saved when you were young. I was saved 32 years ago. Now think about that. I'm 38. Wait, yeah, I'm 38. Sorry, I was like, did I do my math wrong? I learned a while back, do not do math from the pulpit because I mess it up every time. Normally I'm pretty quick. I can say something, whatever. But, but uh, 32 years ago, when I was six years old, I got saved. That's a long time. I, how much do you remember when you were six? I don't remember a lot, but I got saved when I was young. Now, sometimes when that happens, we have a tendency to think, that I, could I really understand at that age? You know, I don't remember everything about it, whatever it may be, and we can begin to doubt later. I've spoken with people, though, who were told they were saved when they were a kid. When did I get saved, Mom and Dad? Oh, you got saved when you were eight. Really? Yeah, you got saved when you were eight. You don't remember? You were walking up, and you got to the front, and you prayed, and you got baptized afterwards, and oh, okay. Um, time out, red flag. There ought to be some memory, something. Sometimes I've heard people, and I've heard this from people. They say, we walk down. Uh, they said, if you want to come forward, come forward and pray. They walk down. They said, how many of you want to get saved? Okay, and they prayed over them. Okay, so there, to me, that's some, there's some red flags there. But uh, when you get saved as a kid, sometimes you can doubt later on. Why? Uh, I think there's many reasons. And parents, we've got to be careful that we're not telling our kids they got saved. We're making sure that they can tell us that they got saved. And they can, and, and, and for, for our kids, we never talk them into getting saved. We, we tried to talk them out of it. Say, Pastor, why would you do that? Because we wanted to know that they were ready. We wanted to be, no, I need to get saved right now, Dad. I need to get saved right now, Mom, because we wanted that urgency there. We weren't trying to, <coughs> you know, keep them out of heaven. We also didn't want them to pray when they were four and then doubt it the rest of their life. I don't really remember it. No, when they each came to us, they were in tears saying, Dad, and we would say, well, when do you think you ought to get saved? And they'd say, well, maybe, some, you know, maybe a couple weeks from now. We'd say, okay. We'd let it go. And they'd come back a couple weeks and they'd say, and they'd talk about heaven and hell and stuff. And we'd say, okay, well, what do you need to do? Well, I probably should, you know, ask Jesus to save me. When do you need to do that? I don't know, maybe two weeks from now. Or they'd put it off. But then there would come a day when they'd say, Dad, um, I'm scared. What are you scared of? I, I think I, I want to go to heaven. I don't know if I'm going to heaven. What do you do? Well, I think I need to get saved. When do you think I need to do that? Right now. We'd say, okay, let's do it. Because they were then, we knew they were ready. They wanted it. They understood it. They knew what they were asking for. 
And, and each of them, uh, you know, we, we tried very hard to make sure that we were not telling them. It cannot be a source of pride with a parent to say, no, you were saved when you were young. We don't want you to get rebaptized. You embarrass us. We better be careful about that kind of stuff. Goodness. I say that why do people doubt their salvation? Number, let, let her see there. They don't remember what they prayed. Now, I hope tonight you're not reading these thinking, I don't remember. I got saved young. Maybe I'm not saved. No, that's not what I'm trying to do here, okay? All right, but they don't remember what they prayed. There is a difference between not remembering what you prayed and not remembering if you prayed at all. Um, When you read the Bible, which I hope you do occasionally, um, in the book of Acts, Paul told his testimony three times. And of those three times, he changed some wording in it. What does that mean to me? That means maybe Paul didn't remember exactly what he prayed. I don't know. I, I can't remember as a six-year-old the exact words I prayed. It wasn't the words. It was the decision to turn to Christ and say, yes, I believe. I believe. Save me. I'm trusting in you. That's the decision that has to be made. You're repenting from trying to earn your way to heaven, from any works that you could do, and you're saying, I believe. I believe. And when you look at salvation in the Bible, you don't find sinners' prayers. You find the thief on the cross saying, remember me when you come into your kingdom. You find uh, the Philippian jailer, I believe. Uh, the, uh, the eunuch, I believe. That's what they were saying. Hey, it's in here, I believe. A lot of people say the right words, but they don't believe it in here. They look at it as a ticket to get out of, out of hell. Oh, yeah, I'll try this one. You know, like a sample from Costco. And then I'll go to this church and I'll do it here. And I'll go over Because one of these has got to work to get me to heaven. That's not how it works. And I'm concerned that there's a lot of Christians in church that aren't Christian. And uh, we want to make sure that we know that we're saved. And uh, so sometimes, well, I don't remember what I prayed. That doesn't matter. Did you, did you know you were making a decision to believe Christ and to trust him as your savior? Letter D, sin is another reason why we doubt. Sin removes joy. When you're away from God, it doesn't make you feel good. And the devil will come to you and say, well, maybe you never really were saved. Because if you're doing stuff like that, man, you never were saved. How could you live like that? Now, in the Bible, um, the prodigal son did some horrible things. But I believe he was a son of the father, a picture of a saved person coming back to Christ, coming back. If, and, and here's the thing, too. If you got saved young, which half of you or more said you did, you probably did worse things after you were saved than before you were saved. Brother Oscar, when was the first uh, store you robbed? When was that? No, I'm just kidding. I'm joking. But, uh, you, you know, what I'm saying is, when you were two, <laughs> what I'm saying is, is that, you know, if you get saved at six, like I did, I did the worst stuff after I was six. And so sometimes we can think, well, if I was truly saved then, then why am I doing this A, B, and C now? And so sometimes that can make us doubt. Letter E, emotions. People say things like, well, I don't feel saved. Can I just let you know that some days nobody feels saved? I haven't felt saved the past three days. Been at home with my kids, I've been sick. You know, I'm like, <coughs> excuse me. 
And, uh, but some days no one does. But here's the thing. Truth isn't determined or based upon your feelings. If it's true, it's true no matter where, whether you feel like it or not. See, our society has got a big, tro- big problem because we're living our whole society based upon feelings. Well, I feel like this is mean. Well, I feel like this is this. I feel like this. I feel like this. And that's the problem. Our feelings change. Truth doesn't. And so when, we, when we're basing our society and our laws and all stuff on feelings, we've got problems. We ought to base our beliefs on the truth and cling to the truth even when we don't feel like it. The feelings come later. And so if you ever were saved, and you know you were saved, but you don't feel saved, man, you cling to the truth. You cling to it. Also, another reason people doubt, they hear a convicting message. Maybe you hear a message on hell, or a message on heaven, or on the rapture, or on the judgment seat of Christ, or on the cross, or whatever, and, and that can make you doubt. I had years ago, probably 10 years ago, I was, preach, I was teaching Bible class in our school, and uh, I was teaching through Bible doctrines, and I was doing eschatology, which basically is a study of the end times, study of the end times, and I was in Revelation. And uh, I taught on the rapture, the rapture of the church. And I remember after that, that lesson, I had two teenage boys come find me. Pastor, can we, Brother Reynolds, can we talk to you? I said, sure, guys, you know, come on in. And they sat down in my office, and they were both shaking. I was like, what'd you guys do? You know, like, what's going on here? And they said, um, your lesson today on the rapture. We're just, we're just, we, we were talking about it afterwards, and, and we're just so scared. I said, scared of what? And I said, I don't know that I'm saved. And, and the other guy said, yeah, I don't know either. And it's terrifying that, I, that I'm just not sure. And, and that message on the rapture, and what if at any moment, what if you guys are all just gone out of here and we're left? And I remember just sitting there like, okay, let me ask you guys some questions. And, and I did what we'll do in just a moment here and ask them some questions. And they said, and I said, what do you want to do? They said, we want to get it nailed down. We want to know. We want to know for sure that we're saved. Can, can you pray with us? So I led them to the Lord right there. But that's not very often. You get people coming and shaking, you know, under conviction. of I'm so scared, you know, and all that. But I was like, hey, good. But sometimes that can happen to people that are saved. We can hear a message on hell and think, I really don't want to go there. What if I'm not saved? And so those are reasons why people doubt. But I heard someone say a long time ago, oftentimes, those who care enough to doubt are saved, oftentimes. You know, if, you're, if you care enough to even think that way, most of the time you probably are saved. And that's, not the, that's not the rule, okay? But let's look at this last part here. Can you ever lose your salvation? No. Why do people doubt their salvation? A lot of reasons. What to do when you doubt. Letter A, check your history. You thought I was going to say something else. Check your history. What do you mean? I mean, go back in your mind to the day or the time you were supposedly saved. And go back and ask yourself some important questions about your testimony. You don't have to be able to answer all of these, but here are some examples, okay? Where were you when you got saved? I have no idea. Okay, well, you know... Every one of these questions you have no answer to could be a red flag, right? When was it? Were you six, seven, eight? Do you know the date? Do you know the about time and place? What led you to make a decision? 
Did someone make you come forward and pray? Did someone say, uh, you know, hey, anybody want to get saved? Just bow your head right now. What led you to make the decision? And then what decision did you make? Do you remember that? Did you know what you were asking for? Did someone tell you that you were saved or do you remember it? If you've always had people telling you when you got saved but you don't remember it, boy, that would be a question mark uh, for me, <coughs> unless, you know, you're 110 years old or something, but did you want it? Did you, did you want salvation? Did you feel bad about your sin? Do you remember that feeling? Did you ask God to save you? Was the gospel clearly explained? And if it was, did you understand it? Did you feel saved afterwards? I know it's a lot of questions. I probably could have narrowed it down. But I think bottom line is, if you can't tell where you were, when you were, what you did, why you did it, and you don't remember feeling saved afterwards, boy, I would really question that. And I would really go back and say, Lord, am I saved or am I lost? And, uh, but if you can say, you know, for me, like, I don't remember every word. I hardly remember much about it. I don't remember much about my childhood, to be honest with you. But I remember I was six, March 26, 1991. I remember kneeling beside my bed. If I could take you to the road, to the house on the road, I could take you to the bedroom where I got saved. I could show you where I knelt down on the floor with my mom. I remember the burden of guilt coming off my back. I remember crying because of my sin. I remember not wanting to go to hell. I remember, I remember the feeling of forgiveness after I prayed. I remember jumping up and going and telling my dad as soon as I got saved. I remember afterwards feeling completely different. So I remember all of that. I don't remember the words I prayed. For a long time, I didn't know the date. I thought I was eight. My mom found a Bible and said, no, it was March 20, 26, 1991. I remember it, but I didn't remember the exact date until she showed me that. But uh, I don't remember specifically asking for, you know, forgiveness uh, for, or, or uh, take me to heaven when I die. I remember the exact words, but I remember the decision I made. I remember trusting Christ as my Savior that day. And so you go back to your history, and you check your salvation testimony. And if there are too many red flags there, then I think you get it settled. But... Here's the next part here is not only check your history, but check your heart. Check your heart. Follow this line of reasoning as we get ready to close here. The Holy Spirit takes up residence in your heart when you trust Christ. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, you know, who is in you, the Bible says. So the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. And he does many things for you. But one of the things he does for you, fill this in, is gives you assurance of salvation. That's one of his roles. You're sealed by the spirit of promise, the Bible says. It says that his spirit bears witness with our spirit that we're saved. So he's talking to our spirit, telling us, yes, you are saved. Yes, you're mine. Yes, you belong to me. Yes, you belong to Christ. Yes, you are in Christ. You're a new creature. That's one of the roles of the Holy Spirit of God. He also has another role. He convicts us of our sin. He also urges us to repent and get right with God. He leads us in decisions we should make. He guides us, right? So he has several things he does. He guides us. He convicts us of sin. When we're doing something wrong to say, hey, get right before God has to bring the punishment down. He, he's, he's correcting us, and he also confirms our salvation. But here's the problem. Write this in. When you ignore 
the voice of the Holy Spirit in one area, you can't hear him in the other areas. So some of you, sometimes we doubt our salvation because we're ignoring the Spirit's voice. Well, guess what? He's also speaking not just about your sin. He's also speaking to you that you're saved. You're sealed. You're a child of God. But you're now ignoring him. And so you're, you're missing out. But, so when you choose sin and you choose not to repent of that sin and you choose to continue in that sin, you are choosing a lot of spiritual uh, uh, problems that sometimes we don't recognize. And one of them is that you're ignoring the voice of the one who wants to comfort you about your salvation and remind you that you're sealed and know God. So that's one of the dangers of sin of, of the many of them. So don't ignore his leading. Don't ignore his conviction of, about your sin. Because if you do that, you won't hear the, him also whispering your assurance of salvation. <coughs> so today, you know, just check our hearts. Before I give you that last blank there, I would just say this. And again, I did not come here to preach and, and make you doubt. Um, but, but I know firsthand what it feels like to doubt salvation. And I believe some, uh, most of Christians that doubt probably are saved. Because there, there is a difference between a nagging doubt and a conviction. And I would say that, though, tonight, if you're looking at this and, and you're seeing, hey, there's a lot of red flags in my testimony, what I wouldn't say is this. Now, I don't think you ought to get saved every time somebody preaches on salvation. I don't think every time you come forward and just make sure and pray and pray and pray and pray. That's not quite taking God at his promise. But if you have a sketchy a sketchy testimony that maybe has been nagging you. And I, I know some people have this, and not all, but maybe one or two. And it's been nagging at you. What I would say is, boy, just get it settled. Just get it settled. Why keep doing this rigmarole every Sunday or every couple months where all you get out of the service is, am I saved or not? And you leave miserable. I would say, if you're doubting it, why don't you come tonight to the altar? And I know we're probably not even going to have an invitation, but if we, even if we don't, come here, I'll pray with you. Or just come kneel yourself or pray right where you are and say, God, look, I don't know. I've got some sketchy things in my, in, in my memory here. And, and, and if I am lost, Lord, then I want you to know I'm trusting in Jesus Christ and the blood of Christ alone to cleanse me of my sin and save me. Nothing but the blood. And tonight, if I've not done it before, tonight is the night where I am trusting you fully as my Savior. Why not? Why not? And get it settled and make that choice. Now, I will say this, not to discourage you, but if you truly feel like you were not saved and you pray and get saved, you need to get baptized. And there is no Listen to this. There is no shame in that. And people in our church would not look down upon you if John Delgado walked the aisle tonight and said, I was never saved and trusted Christ as Savior. I'd be like, it's about time. No, I wouldn't. I, and he said, I want to get baptized. Everybody here would applaud. Not be like, kick him out of the church. And I used him because, you know, he's chairman of our deacons, right? So, but what I'm saying is... Anybody here, if it, let's stop letting fear of others dictate what we do spiritually. If Christ wants you and he's calling you and you know you're not saved, 
get saved tonight. And then get baptized Sunday. Do that. You will have peace. You will sleep well. It will be wonderful. But if tonight, maybe it's just been some doubts. I would encourage you just to cling to the truth. You know you were saved. You know you've trusted Christ. And you know what? Then you cling to that. And you say, Christ, uh, help me to put these thoughts out of my mind and cling to the promise that I have, that if I have the Son, I have life. And I have called, and I have asked, and I have trusted in you and you alone, and I know I'm saved. So God, kick these devilish doubts out of my life and, re and, and help me to have that sensitivity. And I would just say this also, and then I'm done. I'll give you the last blank. If you do know today, and maybe tonight you're like, I know I'm saved, no doubts about it. Do you have peace? I mean, in all areas. I know I'm saved, Pastor. Okay, but do you have the peace of God? And here's what I would say to you. If it is settled in your heart that you are saved, then why are we stressed or worrying about anything else? If you know that the big thing is settled. Why are we stressed at all? The big thing is settled. We're going to heaven when we die. So why are we, enjoy life. Don't be stressed out during the holidays, lacking peace for whatever reason. You got the big thing settled. And maybe we need to go back to the basics of Christianity. Remember, hey, if I've trusted Christ, Nothing's the same. Life has purpose now it never had before. The sh sun is shining on me today. I'm getting to go to, to heaven when I die. What's there to worry about? God's in control. Last here. Check your heart. Are you listening to God in all areas? Are you listening in all areas? Is a lack of assurance robbing you of peace? What better time to get it settled than the most wonderful time of the year? <laughs> Are you sensitive to the Holy Spirit? Is there any area where you are ignoring his leading? Father, thank you for tonight. God, I don't want to ignore the leading of the Spirit of God in my life.